Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app. covered a little bit of the United States on Monday and Mexico yesterday, but this upcoming international window is also a crucial one for the Canadian men's national team. Josh Cloak is here to tell us all about how the team will adapt this window without Alfonso Davies, and how two historic results in that team's history could be relevant in this next window. Or not. I'm Alex Avnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for Wednesday, January 26th. Uh, before we get to Josh, as usual, it's your TV guide and all times are Eastern, but it's a pretty short TV guide today because all the teams are resting ahead of the international games that are happening starting tomorrow. Uh, there is, of course, Africa Cup of Nations knockout action today at 11 a.m., Ivory Coast versus Egypt, that's on BN Sports, and at 2 p.m., Mali versus Equatorial Guinea, also on BN Sports. I say again, if you have not watched the Africa Cup of Nations yet, Now's the perfect time to start. The games have all been super exciting, and there have been some really amazing goals and storylines and pretty much anything you could possibly want in a tournament. So I would guarantee uh, that you'll have a good time if you'll tune in for one of those games. But without any further ado, let's uh, send it over to Josh. Okay, it's World Cup qualifying time, and we covered Mexico yesterday with Felipe Cardenas, and today we are covering... Canada with the one, the only Josh Cloak. Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Canada has three interesting games coming up in this window, away at Honduras, uh, hosting the United States, and away at El Salvador. As you look at these three games, Josh, what sort of stands out to you? What are you, what are you anticipating? Um, obviously, Canada is down a pretty major player in Alfonso Davies with uh, myocarditis. Uh, so he's out for the you know, for an indefinite amount of time with Bayern Munich and Canada. So they're missing a pretty big piece. But uh, outside of that, what what are your sort of thoughts as uh, as an observer of this team going into this set of games? Well, I do think, you know, Canada missing out on Alfonso Davies is a big piece in that, or it, it's a big part of the storyline in that, you know, if you look at the way this team has played, um, you know, throughout World Cup qualifying, they've had a number of really, really excellent performances. But I remember, you know, throughout qualifying, I can't remember exactly which game it was. It was one of the wins. And I asked John Herdman after the game, um, you know, if this was the biggest win of his, you know, time with the men's national team. And he said, no, the biggest win for him was the win over Costa Rica at the Gold Cup, right, in the quarterfinals, because that was done without Davies and without David. And that proves just how much depth there was in the team. Yeah. So I kind of fall back to that um, line of thinking, you know, with these games upcoming, yes, losing Davies is a massive piece, but if you can kind of, if as a squad, you can kind of prove to yourself we're more than Davies, which I think they are, that only kind of increases the confidence that you're going to have going into, you know, possibly a, a world cup. So 
I think it's going to be an important kind of window for a number of players who have been kind of right on the cusp, but haven't really broken out. Like, you know, Jonathan David has not been nearly as good for country as he has been for club, right? Here's an opportunity for him. Tejon Buchanan had his coming out party at the Gold Cup this year and has been good, maybe not great for Canada. So those are just two players that I think are right there and can kind of, you know, carry the torch, I guess, for Canada um, in, in these games. So that's a big part of, of what's kind of coming. And, and another thing I'm looking at thinking about is, you know, with six games left, um, four of them are on the road. Um, and these two are in some pretty hostile territories, yeah. um, Honduras and El Salvador. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the Canadian squad hasn't really played in situations before. So I'm curious how they're going to respond. I think, you know, this is what makes the experience of Atiba Hutchinson so, so valuable to this team because he's been there. He's played in some of these these ugly kind of knockdown games with Canada in the past. And I, I think he's going to be leaned on through this window, perhaps more than he has been um, in any of the previous windows. Uh, you mentioned intimidating environments and tough places to play. San Pedro Sula and Honduras is absolutely one of those places. Yeah. And Canada knows this well. And fans of the Canadian national team know this well, because 10 years ago, they went to San Pedro Sula in Honduras, needing a win, I believe, to make uh, the, hex the hexagonal that year. They lost 8-1. Uh, I know you've been asked about this before. I know 10 years is a lifetime in really any kind of soccer, but especially international soccer and especially uh, given this current, you know, younger generation of Canadian players, uh, Canada now, it should be said, is on top uh, of the octagonal having been expanded. So is there any sort of thought given to that previous result in World Cup qualifying there? Uh, do you think it's going to have any impact whatsoever on the mentality to know that a previous Canadian team went down there and got their butts kicked? Like, I wouldn't be surprised, and I mean this, I wouldn't be surprised if a week ago, you know, before all the players kind of got together in training camp, if a week ago, if you asked a few members of the team kind of individually about that game, they would have said, oh, that happened. <laughs> and that's not to assume that these players, you know, are naive about, you know, the, the national team's uh, past. I think it's just that, as you said, 10 years is a long time in sports. If you look at where the men's national team is in 2022 compared to 2012, it's a lifetime of a difference. And this is a team, this is a really, really young team. Yeah. Right? Davies, David, Buchanan, these are young players. And a lot of these guys were just te just teenagers at that time. And they could be forgiven for not kind of following the men's national team really closely at that point. So I don't think the kind of the, the history of or the legacy or whatever of eight one kind of hangs over this team. I mean, I think there's two or three players from that team, Milan Borian, obviously a big one. Um, but I don't think this is a, a, a case of them trying to right the wrongs of the past because frankly, the quality that they have, um, you know, once, once that first whistle goes, I, I, I don't think that's going to matter. And I think, you know, the, this Canadian team on paper should get three points against this Honduras side and it shouldn't even be close. I think if anything, 
they're they're probably not thinking about 2012. They're probably thinking about that very first game yeah. in qualifying. They drew one one at BMO Field, and it was kind of like I think that was that was the game where I think a lot of people were like, this Canadian team still has a long way to go. So that's probably the one that's that's more fresh in their minds and one that they kind of want to get over. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Well, another uh, historic result, um, or I should say a result from the past that may have some relevance in this window is the Canadians win a slightly more pleasant memory, a win over the United States, uh, two nothing in 2019 in the CONCACAF Nations League, which is a competition that I just remembered today when I was thinking about this game, by the way. Um, that game, Canada basically dominated that game, as I remember. It was seen as sort of a major, major statement by the by this current generation to show that they could hang with you know, some of the top teams in the region. Is that still a game that that this sort of generation, this group looks back on? Do you think they'll be taking inspiration from it as they prepare to host the U.S. again? I know you're working on a story about this with our athletic colleague, Sam Saskel. So I don't want you to give up, give too much away. But sort of what what sort of uh, things are they talking about and what sort of things are you thinking about as you compare those two games? Well, it's interesting to note, you know, John Herdman had taken over the men's national team about a year and a half earlier, uh, but he hadn't, the, the men's national team hadn't really played a lot of games. They played just a small handful of games in 2018, obviously, you know, with the World Cup and then not having qualified, there just wasn't an opportunity. Yeah. Um, they kind of, they crashed out of the Gold Cup in 2019 and they, that was kind of an embarrassing, you know, run for them. They, they blow a 2-0 lead. Uh, against Haiti in the quarterfinals, they lose 3-2. You know, talking to people that were on staff and talking to players, there was a serious mood of self-reflection around the team after that game where they had to be very, very critical of their own performances. And they kind of had to realize we have the talent, but we might not have all the planning in place yet. And and again, talking to people around that game, the, the, the coaching staff in particular put more time into planning how that game would would kind of unfold and how they could beat the Americans than I think they'd put into any game previously under John Herdman. Um, they obviously unveil this really unorthodox 4-2-2-2 box midfield um, that was, you know, one of the stories on the day. But the, the difference, you know, between the Canadians and the Americans that day was that was the first time that the Canadian side proved that not only do they have the talent, they have the kind of the aggression that they can beat a top team, right? They had beat lower level teams over the, the, the previous year and a half, but that really proved not only to them, but to the rest of CONCACAF that this team is for real. Um, yeah, I've been working on a story with Sam on this, um, talking to a few players about this. Um, and one thing that that Jonathan Osorio, you know, Toronto FC midfielder and a really kind of crucial player on the day said, um, 
you know, he said, this was the game really to show everybody in the region and really in the world that we're at the top level of those teams and also to prove to us that our belief is not delusional, right? So I think you yeah. can really look at that game as a turning point just in the self-belief of this group because I think one thing that separates this men's national team right now, and I, it's evident to, to people like me that are kind of around the team a lot more, but I, interestingly, I think it's evident to you know, people like you that are kind of watching this as, as just more of a spectator, this team really believes in themselves. This team has a ton of confidence, which is saying something considering they haven't been to a World Cup since 1986. They believe they should be there. And I think that win over the United States was a really pivotal step to kind of growing that self-belief. It should also be said that that confidence is very much justified, as I mentioned, there on top of the octagonal right now included in their results are uh, that draw against the United States in the United States, a draw against Mexico in Mexico, and of course, the win over Mexico in the ice Classico. I don't remember what we're calling it, but uh, Frozen Edmonton, you were, of course, at that game, and it'll be really interesting to see uh, what they do in maybe potentially similar conditions uh, closer to you in Hamilton, Ontario. Josh Cloak, thank you so much for coming on the show, and I look forward to reading everything you have to say about uh, the Canadian national, men's national team in this window. Thank you. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can get 33% off a year subscription by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thanks so much for listening, and happy soccer to you all.